I'm Gab, he's Jules. Uh, blue skies over West London, bluer still. The skies over North London. Ah, yes. That was a huge win for Arsenal. We'll be we'll be getting into that. We'll be talking about plenty of top FA Cup uh, option. Uh, United winning, City yes. winning, um, Liverpool winning their league game. Spurs, not so much. Nah. Big win for Juve. Pog back. How about yes. that? And trouble, Sir Nasser Al Khalifi. We'll get into all that. Yeah. But let's start at, at the Emirates. Yeah. Arsenal and everything. Now, Jules, going into this, I thought, all right, February fourth. Sean Dyche's first game in charge. Everton went out there yeah. and absolutely bullied yeah. uh, Arsenal. I mean, they made them their female dogs, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happens? And so I was thinking, ooh, you know, is this going to play in their minds? What's he going to do? Isn't he go a little more muscular, maybe party instead of Georgie? No, he doesn't do that. He brings on party at halftime. Yeah. And they go ahead and they win 4-0. And even though the first goal came in the 40th minute, yeah, I they- thought they were in control. They were in control from the beginning. Yeah, there was a couple of like mini counter attack moments, if you want, from from Everton, which their game plan was really clear. The the five four one uh, or the four five one, if you want, and then and then playing not too deep, but then as soon as you get the ball back, trying to go f- quickly forward to Neil Mopé. To Neil Mopé, exactly. It never really worked. <laughs> And from an Arsenal point of view, again, I think that we've seen before is the fact that they, they never panicked even when they were not finding a way of breaking down that defence and that comp- compact block. Uh, it felt like they never, they kept going, they kept moving the ball from right to left, they taking their time because at some point they knew that they would find a bit of space and they would find a pass that would make something special happen. And that's, that's exactly what happened with the Zinchenko ball for Saka, really, towards the end of that first half. Like you said, Gab, after that, once the first goal went in, there was, it was never in doubt that they would win the game. But I just thought that they took their time and maybe could have played with a bit more urgency earlier, Arsenal. But they kind of knew that at some point the space would open and they would score. Yeah, I wasn't so big on the urgency side of things because, like I said, I actually liked the fact that they were patient. It looked to me like they they went out there with the right personality yeah. to take on this game. To you know, pick our spots. There's going to be there's going to be opportunities, and then we take them because it's really really difficult with that personnel that Everton have to go and 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 defend and. You know, for 90 minutes, it, it's, it's just not an easy thing to do. So as long as they kept their heads, and and I think that's what what really impressed me the most. Um, but the upshot now is that it's a five point lead, and yeah. they played the same number of games, Arsenal and Manchester City. Yeah, which means looking ahead, we know they've got another head to head coming up. Arsenal can lose that and still win the Premier League if they. Obviously, get all their yeah, or match all the season's yeah. results. Yeah, yeah, and the goal difference was interesting because they started the game with a with a ten goal difference compared to City. City had ten goals more, you know, plus ten more. You win four 0 it's down to six, which is already a bit more. I know you hate the goal difference, but it could yeah, be important towards the end. So the goal difference doesn't exist. It's not a thing. So it no, still I, is. No, I, I so so it's point. it's good to have a big win like that. You don't concede again after having been a bit. Leaky defensively, and then everybody is scored. So Saka scores, and Ketia is involved. Martinelli scored. Trossard is involved as well. Whether he's goal or an assist, it's, it's, it's good for the morale for sure. Were you uh, surprised that Trossard started? And no, I think I think going for until Gabriel Jesus comes back fully fit, I think Trossard, Martinelli, and Saka will be the uh, the front three. I think it'd be the same against Bournemouth at the weekend as well. Can you explain this? Because I've had the Inketia brigade coming out and pointing out, oh, he has this many goals and these many starts and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, Leandro Trossard is not 
really a center forward the way Nketiah is. You know, he's, he's adapted to the role, if, if you want, right? Yeah. So this kind of surprised me that you're opting for Trossard, asking Trossard to learn that Gabriel Jesus runs in, in the middle of the season. I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought that was, that was an interesting kind of take. It's one thing to get yeah. Nketiah the game off at the weekend, fine. But that surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I was surprised he was on the bench again. But then I think the movement from Trossard, the, the intelligence, how well he's adapted to the whole, to the way the team is playing, I think plays in his favor. And he's been he's been in really good form. He scored a, a really nice goal, as we mentioned before, at Leicester. That was that was rightly ruled out. But still, it was a really good finish. I think he bring he bring a bit of ex- that kind of experience as well. And he's a different player to Enkechia that I think maybe. He's more, he looks more like Gabriel Jesus in a way than Nketiah does, if you see what I mean. In the sense that he plays, he plays as a force number nine, really, technically, but he can hold the ball up nicely. He just doesn't make the running behind like Nketiah does, that we've seen, that we've seen working for Arsenal. And that Jesus does too. That, but, but Jesus has the side of a force number nine as well. I think he plays, he plays almost as a normal striker and as a force number nine, which I think suits Arsenal maybe more when he plays as a force number nine because you get more from your wingers, obviously. Joel, so on Monday, I asked, we, we talked, we said we we're going to do percentages now that yeah. we've played the same number of games. Yeah. So for, for a reminder, they've both played 25 games. There's 13 games to go. Yeah. The, the Mercati rule of thumb is that you're in trouble when you have to make up more than one point a game. I think I don't know yeah. if this is proven statistically, but you know. So That's fine, thirteen huh? games, plenty of time. Plenty you got the head to head. Yeah. Assuming City win the head to head, which that's a big assumption, but you know, you can control that. Yeah. If you're Pep, you're not sweating this, are you? No, it would be two points in twelve games then. If you which you can easily like make that, up. Which you is, make that yeah. one weekend. That's why I think the percentage is fifty five, forty five for Arsenal. They have to be they're five points clear right now with 13 games to go. So they have to be the favourite. You could go 51-49. You could go 50-50. But I think that's a bit unfair on Arsenal considering how well they've played. They've only... I mean, they lost to City and United. And then, OK, that Everton game away was, as we saw last night, was not a fluke, but it was a game where they, they clearly didn't respond. They didn't turn up. It can happen in a season. City had also those kind of games where they didn't perform like they should have and you lose or you draw. Or, so that's, that's fair. But I think it's right right now to have Arsenal favourite. You can't say 80-20, that would be stupid. Even 60-40, I think it's maybe a little bit too much for Arsenal. But I think 55-45 is a, is a great representation of where we are in the season. So, I'm going to say it's 50-50 or closer to 50-50 um, for the simple reason that while Arsenal have answered pretty much most of the challenges they've come back, you know, you're going to have dips, yeah. you're going to have individual games. Um, equally, this is a very young team. This is a manager who's not been in that situation. And it's one of those things that old journalists like me say, like, well, experience matters, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, don't I, don't, I under, think don't the, under, underestimate the experience from last season and missing out on that fourth place, which was like a final, like it, was a, it was a title race for them, that fourth place. That's a really good point. That, and that, I think they would have learned a lot from that. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily the jitters or the pressure that you feel when you're going for a title, because this was their title last yeah, year, right? It was. Going good going for that fourth place. But equally, we talk to football people, Aaron to different degrees. They all say, Oh, you need winners, winning mentality, yeah. experience, blah, blah, blah. There's no question City are 
full of winners. Um, I don't think Erling Holland's won much other than at Salzburg, but other than that, most of the team yeah. been there, done that, a t-shirt. Arsenal, if I go back and I say, when I, we've done this before, but yeah, yeah, who's yeah. won stuff? You know, we said Jorginho has, Zinchenko. Thomas Partey has, and obviously Zinchenko and Jesus have. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, unless we want to count, you know, things that Odegaard might have won at Real Madrid or, you know, watching no, from, the, yeah. from the B team. I am curious to see to what degree that that factors in. I, I think this is a task. I think if Arsenal do this, I think we can say that, yeah, this quality is very much overrated. This idea of having winners winning mentality. So that's why I am still, I'm still put, I'm, I'm saying that theory hasn't been disproven yet and it might not be disproven in one yeah, season, yeah. but that's why I'm going closer to 50-50. The other thing though that I would have thought would have given, until recently I said would have, would have given City the edge is this issue of depth, right? For all their money, yeah. City are not, City just don't have as many bodies. You know, I talked about this last year when, you know, they lost Torres and Mendy and didn't, and didn't replace them. And, you know, they, he rotates a lot because that's what he does, but he does not have a super deep, no. a super deep bench. Now you've now. lost Cancelo. And they've lost uh, Cancelo as well. Um, and weirdly, the rotation means that people like Julian Alvarez, you know, might be like, "Why am I not playing more?" Um, but I look at this now, and I wonder, you know, with Trossard, Kivior, who we haven't seen yet, played with um, the under twenty one really well on Monday night, really, really well. But again, it's a reserve game. I don't so. watch Arsenal under twenty one. No, 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 no but I'm telling you, out. the passing was great. Uh, and Georgie, now, I wonder, has that depth advantage that City have has that rebalanced a little bit? Yeah, I think so. A little bit. It'd be interesting to see what choices Arteta makes once Gabriel Jesus is fully fit and back. Who do you play up front? What kind of rotation you have? You, if any. If because any. he's not big on the rotation. No, but at least you, you'll have Martinelli, Trossard, Gabriel Jesus, Saka, and Ketia, Smith-Rowe. Some will play in the Europa League. You've got the two games against Sporting coming, which won't be easy. Uh, I, I'd be surprised. I think for the Europa League, I think he's going to play the scrubs. I, I don't. I, I yeah, don't, but then I, I guess no so you will see Kivio. You will yeah. see. You know, if Party come, comes back fully fit, you see Jorginho there, holding and his Ketia, hair, holding and his uh, new hair, beautiful hair. Uh, I think Emil Smith Road. You know those kind right. of guys. But, but it'd be very interesting to see what he does in the league. Certainly, on the back of those Europa League matches. But yeah, you've got more possibilities. You've got more options. You can go to. You know, back five with Kivio instead of holding now, for example, which I think is is not a bad thing. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that you can do. Even in midfield, we saw Party and Jorginho finish the game together at Leicester, for example, which I think gives you a bit more maybe defensively to protect your back four in 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 some games. Could you even start with Party and and for example, could you start with Party, Chaka, uh, and Georgie, and, and Georgie, and but put and put. For Odegaard the, on the wing? Yeah, Odegaard in the wing, for example. Or could you put Odegaard a bit closer? Yeah, I, know, I don't know that you'd want to start messing no, no, with no, the but formation I mean is, at this stage. No, of course not. But there might be some games where you go, well, let's not forget that they would have to go... So Chelsea at home is the only like tough, like big, big, you know, big team home game that they have. Otherwise, they go to Newcastle, they go to City, they go to Liverpool... You know, so they play United twice, but, and they play, they play Spurs twice, which is the same for City, by the way. They play Spurs twice and United twice as well. But they've got many more home games in those big right. games than away games, and like Arsenal. So maybe if you go away somewhere, you think, okay, Jorginho and Party can start together. 
with Odegaard, for example, or with Chaka and you move Odegaard. I don't know. But at least, at least you've, uh, before you didn't have those options. Now, at least you've got those options. All right, let's play a game. Impromptu. You have not prepared for this. No. For City and for Arsenal, yeah. give me two players, one at a time, who are the two guys who cannot or, or the toughest to replace if you lose them to injury or suspension at this stage. Okay. The two guys, all right. So I'm going to start. I'll give you my first one for City. Yeah. Um, and that's Rodri. I think with Calvin Phillips, there's a massive drop-off. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what's wrong with him, but I certainly feel like he doesn't trust him. Yeah. Um, you play Gundogan there, it just becomes a different team. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I give you Erling Haaland, of course. I mean, I have to, even if Alvarez is a good, is a really good player and he's done really well, it's not, it's not the same, I think, without the Haaland factor. Really? You put Haaland the high? Yeah. Ahead of De Bruyne? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not so sure there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure there. All right, those are our two um, for Arsenal. You can go first. I mean, the obvious one again would be like Haaland is Bukayo Saka. I think the, even if you have more options now, and you can play Martinelli on the right and Trossard on the left and Gabriel in the center. Saka is special and he's got something special as we saw against Leicester on Wednesday. I think you lose Saka. It's even just psychologically or even how the right hand side works with Ben White it's just like you would lose so much alright since I have to mention somebody else and I can't mention Gabriel Jesus because we've seen that how yeah. well they've done without him that's true um, I'd be tempted to say Odegaard except I think Smith Rowe can do some Odegaard things you know you are yeah. you can find somebody so obviously he'd be a loss um, but I think the guy who really doesn't have a replacement um, is Zinchenko Kieran Tierney, great player, but very different the way he plays. We, we've seen a little bit of him coming inside when yeah. he's come on and stuff. He's trying, for sure. But he does not have... He's, he's, he, no. he, he didn't grow up as a number 10. Yeah, and, and Tierney doesn't give you the ball to Saka like Zinchenko did on Wednesday. No. Um, again. And I think Tierney in there would mean Arteta having to really go and change a lot of things. You know, other things, midfield, like you said... But, the two deeper midfielders, you have three options for those two positions. Plus, yeah. El Neni, I'm assuming, will be back at some point. Um, I think Saliba would be a loss because Kivio being also left-footed like Gabriel, you could play the two left-footed centre-backs, yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, but I think overall, losing Saliba would be, would be a big blow. Um, a word on Saka. Uh, you know, sometimes when you reach an agreement on a contract and then it's not signed because, as we told you on Monday, yeah. like, oh, it's going to take a long time because lawyers charge by the hour. Um, sometimes you get a little bit of complacency. There's no complacency from him. The, the way he is not, it took the goal very well. Yeah. But also, again, the second one where he goes and he presses and he forces a mistake that, that leads to uh, Martinelli's goal. Yeah, in the first one. Um, He's kind of walking on air right now. Yeah, he is, and rightly so. I think there, there, there should be nothing. I mean, especially that the breakthrough for the contract is huge, and that has made him really happy as well. So there will be no reason why it would play on his mind, for example, the fact that the contract is not agreed or not signed yet, or there's all that uncertainty. It's not there. He's agreed to it in principle, certainly. He knows that he's pledging his future to a team that is on the up and a club where he's been since he was like seven years old, and he's very happy there. So it's actually the opposite because before the game, I thought after 
all the news about the contract, I really expected to have a, I expected him to have a huge game against against uh, Everton, and that's exactly what he did. And I just and I even think that he can give so much more. I think he can he will get even better because there's still a couple of times where. He doesn't make the wrong decision because he's so clever that he often makes the right decision. But there's something where it could it could have just worked even better for him, and he could have had added even more to the game that I think is going to grow and grow even more in that kind of like leadership role. So I saw the numbers that were out there, um, and I have no idea if these are accurate or if you've got a sense. But they spoke of around ten million pounds a year. Yeah, so uh, two hundred thousand a week. A week. Yeah. And I always wonder about this because. 200,000 a week, you know, Alba, of course, was on one and a half times that or even more than that yeah. when, when he was there. Um, you know, we saw Sadio Mane, we, we saw Mohamed Salah getting substantially more than that yeah. at, at a certain age. I kind of wondered about the, psych- I, I, the, the psychology of it. Is it just that clubs won't go beyond a certain amount because it's a younger player? Rather than looking at, because it's also I, from where he started. So when you're on seventy a week, it's hard to for the club. You can't you can't multiply. I mean, you can of course multiply by ten if you want or by eight. But it's already it's already difficult. If you go from seventy to two hundred, it's a hell of a pay rise. It, it's funny because they all say that, right? Like we we've, we've all spoken to directors of football clubs and say, oh well, but you know. We can't do much more than triple his wages, no matter how good he is and whatever. But I always think when you give somebody a contract, you're paying, you should, your, your mindset should be, I am paying for what he's going to give me in the next four years or five years or whatever it is, not for what he's done before. What he's done before yeah. may give me a sense of what he can do. You know, so with that in mind, you know, when Liverpool, for example, Give the big contract to to to, to Salah, and by the way, I'm not picking on Liverpool. You can mention a million of these, yeah, yeah, Lukaku, KDB, whatever, yeah. Right? You you're kind of saying, okay, I expect Salah in his 30s to produce at this at an even higher level than what he produced before, right? Yeah. Which, when you take a step back, doesn't seem very logical. Whereas, I think you can legitimately legitimately expect Saka to to perform. At a higher level yeah, but than if he you has give him, until now. If you give him 300 now, what are you going to do for the next extension? Because I think the idea very much is you, you sign now a new five-year deal, let's say. Uh, but then we review it in 18 months to two years. Right. Which or he's going to come and knock and he's yeah. going to review it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And we, we said that. They're, clubs know, that, and their agents, personal agents are always going to ask more money for, for, yeah. for doing well. So no, I'm not saying it's a bad deal for, for, for Arsenal. I think it's a good deal for yeah, Arsenal. But also for Saka, considering where well, he was before. I think it's also a good deal for Saka in the sense that he's not bound by some monster contract. Should things go wrong for him? You know, should he go down the Jack Wilshire route? And maybe require a move elsewhere. He's not going to be stuck in this massive contract. Yes, where nobody can afford to get him either. So it has worked out. I, I, I just think there's still a ton of groupthink among agents and clubs based on how they value players and how they do contracts. Yeah. And the guys at Chelsea say that they're being very innovative in this with all the new guys they signed. I'm really curious to see. You know, <laughs> yeah. Apart from the eight year deal, I'm yeah. really curious to see how that uh, how that all pans out. A word on Everton. Um, I think in a really, really tough spot, and I, I was watching it. I'm like, it's just a bunch of defensive. I, I'm not sure Dyche for what he brings was the right fit with this group of players. 
I don't know. I think I think they will step with their home form. I think away games will always be a struggle. They will they will set up to defend and they will try to defend as best as they can. But that that's all they're going to give you, especially a game like the one at, at the Emirates. I think that was always going to be very difficult for them. Um, I just, I just, I just watched them, but I watched them again against the, in the home win against Arsenal, uh, in the win against Leeds, for example, and it's, it's, there's just one plan, and that's why I agree with you in the sense that I think there could be more from those players if they have a, a solidity they can build on. But I just think that he's not going to do that. But maybe he doesn't have the time. Maybe he thinks, listen, I've got 13 games to go. You know, we're in a very difficult position now. All I can do yeah. is have the solidity and that's it. And then get a nil-nil draw, get a 1-1 draw maybe, get a 1-0 win. And that would be it. I can guarantee you that they are not going to... Between now and the end of the season, so 13 extra games, if they score once in those 13, more than two goals, or more than one goal, at least two goals, I would be very surprised. They can do it, of course. I'd be very surprised. Well, and by the way, I wasn't having a go. Uh, I totally agree. No, no, I, I think, think this is the... Sean Deitch, but uh, it just doesn't seem to be like the kind of players where Sean Deitch can play the football that he wanted, that he played at Burnley when he kept them up and did well. Which, by the way, was not just defensive physical football. That, you know, There were more elements to it. It looks to me like he's going to have to make it work with a group of guys who aren't necessarily super suited to what he wants because it's... Well, especially if you lose Calvert Lewin because Mopé, you can't, you can't hold the ball up the way Dash, I think, ideally would like it to be. Not a big Ellie Sims fan? And, uh, you know. But, but, for example, the way they consider a second goal, which is the killer goal, you, you go halftime 1-0... You can say, okay, just stay in the game, stay at one yeah, knee. Yeah, you know, right? the second goal where Idris Gay has this like, brain freeze, really. If, if you're Daesh, this goal must really annoy you. And maybe that's why you took him off at half time, because the anger would have been so big. Because you can't, in the position that Everton are, and Gay is a really experienced player, he's a good player, he's done some good things at Everton. You, I mean, come on, what's, what was that? Yeah, no. Really, um, like, you can't do that. I, but I, I will have. Mm, I mean, you're pretty confident you're going to stay up. I think if Dyche stays up with this group, not because I mean it's not a great group of players, but like I said, not suited to what he wanted, wasn't able, chose not to. You know, jury's out on that. I know he's spoken about it. it, it moves that they might have wanted to make yeah. in uh, in, in January. Uh, in January. Um, I think that says a lot about Sean Dyche and his ability to go and get the squad to do what he wants them to do, even though it might not come naturally to them. Mm. Because I know that you know you can look at Dukurege and um, Onana. And Onana and say, oh, look, oh, three big physical midfielders. Oh, it's ideal for... No, but they're three big physical midfielders who didn't play Burnley-style football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. who never played Burnley-style football. Yeah. So he's yeah. got to kind of go into that or not play Burnley-style football. Yeah, yeah. Thus far, but that's I'm not sure he's got the time. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't have the time to yeah. change that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough, Everton. Uh, uh, how about some quick hits Let's instead? Let's go, Gab. Manchester United come from behind to beat West Ham 3-1 as Alejandro Garnacho scores a late winner Lovely before Fred's goal. garbage time goal. Jules, are you impressed? I thought they were good, even a nil-nil, even after, well, before West Ham scored a Ben Rama goal and and they, they give Marcus Rashford the shirt. He's like, here, up, if you go, all you, off you go uh, to come back into the game. I thought they had chances before. They could have scored. Yeah, but so good West Ham. There's a couple of big, big misses on the break from West Ham. Yeah, they were, but they were also, yeah, but they, uh, for a B Manchester United That's team, let's thing. not forget. You can tell this is a B yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, it was a B team. there's a drop off between that, the A team yeah, and the B team. Yeah, but still, they could still have not made that game so complicated for them. So I'm not, I'm not worried. I was not impressed, but I was not worried either. I kind of knew they would come back in the game once the, the, the bigger players had come on. So it was just like, it's, it's a missed opportunity for West Ham because a one nil up, you, you know, they could have maybe just kept, keep that win. But overall, I was not too worried for United either. And talking about United Gap, they won the League Cup, of course, on Sunday. And they were drawn at home in every round of that competition, except for the semi, uh, when they were at home in the second leg. So home and away games, uh, which is obviously a big advantage. And they've been drawn at home in every round of the FA Cup two so far. Is this very, very lucky? Or is there something a bit more suspicious to it? Okay. I, I want to knock this on the head. Uh, and people have said, oh, they've also had easy draws as well. Okay, Easy draws, whatever. That's luck of the draw. Uh, no. It's not suspicious. It's simply chance. And you know what? Uh, this thing with being drawn at home, it's simply like if you flip a coin and it lands on heads eight times in a row, is it unusual and unlikely? Uh, yeah. Is it impossible? It's one in 256 <laughs> yeah. chance, okay? Which sounds like a lot. But then you consider they've been playing the FA Cup for more than 100 years. Yeah. There's hundreds of teams in there. They all get drawn to play home and away. It's not that rare an occurrence. And I'm sure there'll be some, some nerd on the internet who will go and find out situations where people have had eight I home games you. in a row. So let's just, just stop this. I agree with you, but I would do like we have in France. When you draw a team that is two leagues below you, so, so for example, Premier League and League One, so Charlton, for mm -hmm. example, who they faced before, then you, even if you're home and you're the Premier League club, you reverse it and you go and play at the League One or League Two or National League Stadium. I think that would be fantastic. I think from a sporting perspective, that's 100% what they should do. Yeah. Two issues with that. One is the smaller teams sometimes want to play on the road so they can get a bigger chance. You know, if I play at Old Trafford, I get whatever, 15 or 20% of the gate. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, if you do that, then the TV companies might be like, well, the problem here is, you know, these big clubs might get knocked out early. And while we all say we love the, was it Millwall in the final against some Muppet yeah, team yeah. a few years ago? <laughs> um, 
the reality is when that happens, fewer people watch and the rights are worth less. It's a cynical, yeah, no, no, business-driven but... world. The FA should not be about business and making money. No, they should be about true. the sporting side exactly. of things. Jules, uh, you know how I feel about awards like the yeah. Ballon and FIFA's the best. So I'll let you handle this. Thoughts on Alexia Putea and Lionel Messi being crowned winners? Um, yeah, I mean, I, as you know, I love those awards. Uh, what did Putea do in the Euros? Sorry? How did uh, Alexia do in the Euros? That's the thing. She hasn't played since May. Uh, so almost a year soon. <laughs> but I mean, but kind you know Because the Women's Award yeah. runs through Ju- June or July. Yeah, of course. It's the whole... And the Men's Award runs through the end of the World Cup. I know. So it made really no sense. I think it was very confusing for people to understand what, you, I mean, what the period was to vote and what we were kind of judging here. Uh, and I think <laughs> if you so look at Beth Mead's face and and uh, Viv Mediema face like when Puteas had the award it was like okay it's a bit weird Puteas was a very very gifted player it's not, but she hasn't played in a year she hasn't played football in a year how can she win this this award it's a bit beyond me for Messi you know Kareem the dream he's a dream for a reason of course uh, he wasn't there Kylian was there sat next to Messi and his wife um, it's really Messi had an amazing World Cup we've said that some people in France have, you know, said that right. he scored a lot of goals on penalties as well. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I do think that the French in here, maybe mm. on another day. Uh, Gab, you may not care about this, as we've just said, uh, but many do, especially in Spain, uh, where some David Alaba received abuse and some racial abuse as well for not voting for his club teammate Karim Benzema. This is the problem with these awards. This is the problem. No, it's these... the problem with stupid fans, our stupid fan no, base. It's a problem. It's a problem with the awards that people don't understand. It's and it's a, it's a double problem with stupid fan base who abused David Alaba over this, and even more so. Uh, obviously, it's unconscionable if you racially abuse him as well. Yeah. Uh, this is so dumb. Basically, people who vote on this are captains of national teams, uh, coaches of national teams, and, um, and and select journalists from around the world. Now, Alaba is a captain of the Austrian national team. They record the vote. They tell you who he voted for. He voted for Messi, which, by the way, I hate to say this. Once you decide that the award ends on December 18th, you turn to an 18-month award, yeah. There is nobody else winning the award but Lionel Messi. I'm really, really sorry. It would have been Mbappe if he'd done in the final. It would not be Benzema because from June to December, Benzema was not good. So there's even like, I, I, maybe they would have calmed down over this. But what bugs me is that Alaba has to go and apologize. What bugs me is this expectation that, oh, you have to vote for your teammate to win the stupid award. This goes back to Cristiano and Messi and their national team coaches and their teammates and blah yeah. blah blah and and to make it even worse when like they, it's like, it's not just like oh you mustn't just vote for Cristiano and Messi if he's your teammate you have to make sure you don't give any votes to the other one for the Ballon d'Or it's so stupid yeah. it just cheapens all this which is why I absolutely hate this. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's that coming over the hill? More quick hits! Yeah, guys! Liverpool B Wolves 2 0 to move into sixth place. Jules, they have also the game in sand. Are you seeing yeah. signs of progress? Yes, a little bit, I would say. I was not completely convinced by the performance against Wolves, but 
they created chances, although Mo Salah had no shot until until his goal, really, which is worrying. I think, in a way, if you don't, if you can't get Salah into the game more against Wolves in your own stadium, but you don't concede again. Which defensively, they've been certainly in the league. Forget about the Real Madrid game. They've been they've been better. They've improved. I think Konate coming back is huge. Uh, I thought Diogo Jota looked really sharp in that game against Wolves. So yeah, there's, there are a few things there and there. But but, but okay, if you if you do it against United at the weekend, then then I would say okay, the progress is there mentally, physically, tactically, all of that. For now, it's like yeah, baby steps. But Klopp mentioned the baby steps before, so I think we're on track with the baby steps. Question is, are going to be baby steps enough to get into the top four? That is the big That's question. The That's the thing. Juventus come back from behind twice in the derby to win Torino to beat Torino four two. Sorry, and Paul Pogba finally makes his comeback. Gab, is, is this a game changer? Pogba back? Uh, he looked sharp. He looked fit. Yeah, from what we saw he looked good, right? So obviously he's going to make Juve a, a better team. Yeah. Um, I think more importantly is that since the since the penalty came in, I mean, in recent games, uh, they've played better. They scored four goals this time around, which by Juve standards is like scoring 20 goals. Yeah. Um, and they showed the personality come back in. I think they were a little bit... A little bit fortunate. It's also nice that you know uh, he ditched Paredes and he brought in the, 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 this kid Barinchier. You know, first, like, yeah, first Serie again this season. He's doing things that people said you should be doing a long time ago. Yeah. And of course, Di Maria is on form, which you know gets you out of a lot of jams. Definitely. Nasser Khalifi is being investigated in France for Ooh. I can't believe I'm saying this torture and kidnapping. Mm. Jules, he's the, for those who don't know this. why we're talking about him, he's the chairman or president of Paris Saint Germain, yeah. president of the European Club Association, yeah. member of UEFA's executive committee, close ally of Alexander Cheferin, the UEFA president, mm. the man who stopped the Super League, and he's also perhaps most important out of all of them, the big boss of BN Sport, who bankrolls so much football and keeps the finances yeah. coming. This is really big. Can you, what happened? This is a complicated story. Yeah, it is complicated. And we are, it's only the beginning, so we will probably talk more about it in the next uh, few weeks when the case go f- goes forward and, and developed, if you want. But basically, I think someone who was working with Nasser, or for Nasser Al-Khalifi, uh, tried to blackmail him with apparently some... It's a uh, Moroccan guy whose name yeah. escapes me. Yeah, but uh, with, with some videos and things that could have, like intimate videos that... Were very, com- very compro- compromising. Compromising. That's it. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, this guy said that then he was arrested in uh, Qatar and put in jail there, torture on at the request of Nasser Al Khalifi, who him says that he's got nothing to do with all of this, but that some that that guy was trying to blackmail him. So it's not very clear exactly now where we stand. But regardless, where you where you think who did right, who did wrong, the fact is that Nasser Al Khalifi and to an extent, PSG, DECA, all of those things that you mentioned are right now in the, involved in that conversation, yeah. in this investigation, in, in all of that, which is not good noise. And, and so far, all we have is the authorities in France saying, OK, there's enough there that we need to investigate. That that's we that's all we have. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to decide whether, you know, at some point they could abandon the investigation or exactly. whatever. What's interesting here is, as well, they had a meeting because after they fell out, and I guess supposedly before he was kidnapped and tortured, where they supposedly reached an agreement and 
then this guy reneged on it, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's what it's saying. You know, it's, it's not a good situation. No, definitely not. The Guardian reports that Manchester United sale could stretch into next season and in fact might not happen at all, Gab, because apparently some of the Glazer siblings don't really agree uh, on the sale on the side of the club, what, what do you make of it? You, well, you kind of, you've always said it. You kind this, of this is coming. what I said. Yeah, I mean, there's there's six people there. Um, from what we know, Joel certainly, and judging from the way he was celebrating, good old Avram, are way into this. Yeah. Uh, the others. But what nothing. would you sell now when they're going to finally start to be good again? <laughs> that's that, that's another. The others might just want to cash in. They might not want to put more money into the stadium. Yeah. Some of this being cynical as well could also be that um, they didn't get those. You know, they, they put that six billion figure out there, and the bids they've received so far are nowhere near that. No. Um, so, you know, they, but. They're not. They're very rich. They're not in a rush to sell. They can wait. Yeah. Right. It's not like you know. It's, it's not like a, the thing is. These guys, when they get it, they're going to be extracting what half a billion, six, seven hundred million from the club. There's not a lot of things that you need. That, oh, I need seven hundred million to go and buy that. Yeah. Tottenham Hotspur are out. Uh-oh. OUG out of the FA Cup as your boy Illiman and NJ uh, scores the winner for Sheffield United. Jules, did my man Christian Stellini. Or maybe the man down the phone from yeah. Turin, Antonio Conte, dropped the ball here with that lineup. I thought so, Gab, with the lineup, with the substitution. Why waited so long, for example, for Kluzevsky to come on? After Lucas Moura, I thought he'd retired. No, I'm just kidding. I knew he didn't retire, but no, still. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get it at all. I thought this was a big opportunity missed from Spurs to progress in the competition to maybe win a trophy. I mean, they can win the Champions League, but let's be honest. And they can win the Arsene Wenger top four trophy. Yeah, of course. But, but, but the thing is what Daniel Levy cares about more. Maybe, maybe he does. But I think the fans care a lot about this FA yeah. Cup. And, and I think, and it doesn't look good on you when you go to Sheffield United. We're doing well in the championship. This is not the problem here. And you just... You know, perform like this yeah. with that kind of team, and then you end up Look. losing. Ilima and Diaye, by the way, one of the best stories of the season. If you don't know about, go and check him out. The story that he has, uh, and great goal from him and for Sheffield United, by the way, who were like seconds away of being knocked out by Wrexham in the yep. previous round, and now are in the the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Tremendous story. And by the way, FA Cup. You guys need to rethink this. Get rid of the League Cup because I don't want to see the FA Cup with everybody paying, you know, a shadow lineup. All, yeah, almost yeah. all the big yeah, teams, yeah. yeah. No. And some of the small teams, too. Yeah, for sure. Cremonese win their first game of the season after 24, 23 games, and they do it against Roma, who had a chance in that game to move into second place in the table had they won. Not surprisingly, Jose Mourinho was grumpy and got himself sent off for the third time this season, having a go at the fourth referee. Yeah, so... okay, so That was crazy, man. This is why. I mean, first of all, you need to have a serious conversation about how you as an adult get sent off for the, <laughs> for the season from the bench. Um, what Mourinho's saying, and, and this is very Mourinho, I think it does take away as well from the fact that Roma did not play. He, says, he said they played well. They did not they play, didn't well, play well. And they lost. Um, basically, he was complaining... He was complaining about a foul on the pitch. If, according to Mourinho, and what Mourinho's can't put out there, referee came... Uh, uh, came over to the fourth official came over yeah. to him and said, You know, why don't you go mind your own business? He's standing there with his hands in his pockets, which supposedly is very disrespectful. Um, Mourinho uh, came out and said, Look, 
I may be emotional, but I'm not insane. He said something absolutely terrible to me, yeah. which we don't know what it is. No. Um, he wants him now investigated. Yeah, it was like legal action or something. Uh, and then he goes out and he says, because they play Juventus this weekend, I don't want to think that it has anything to do with the fact that this fourth official's from Turin, which is not a nice thing to say. Just, no. just stick to the facts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's the magic of the cup, Jules. Little Grimsby Town, who play yeah. in League Two, knock out Southampton away 2-1. Yeah, they did. And, and Two penalties. Two penalties, but uh, they fought hard. They played, I think, with their guts. They really went and, and, and fought for it when Southampton were clearly not up for the... For the for the fight, your your friend Ruben Seyes changed nine players. He didn't change any of the eleven starters from the last two league games. Where you know maybe they they lost one and one one, but you know maybe there was something a little bit better. Nine changes. That team were well beaten. I mean, I don't again like for Spurs. I don't understand the team selection there. And then you know you got burned. That's what you're playing. More FA Cup as Manchester City roll over Bristol City. Anything to see there, Gab? Not really. I mean, you saw Calvin Phillips play the, the oh, mystery object, dreadful. right? Um, but he had one good strike where things, he, hit the, he hit the woodwork. Another one yeah, was just sliced like, off to yeah, the side. Yeah, one went to the, to the uh, flag. Like, you need to find rhythm, right? Uh, no, they got the job done. They, 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 he made some rotations. Not excessive rotations, by the way, obviously. No, yeah, and, and Foden scored again. So. Um, and now they're well-placed to win the FA Cup, which, by the way, Pep Guardiola's only won the FA Cup one more time than and you have. play our friend, Vincent Company at Burnley in the next round. That's exciting. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jules, you get all the magic of the cup yes. stories. How about Ansi? Is that An- right? Ansi. Annecy? Ansi? Yeah. From the second division, knocking out mighty Marseille in the Coupe de France. And doing it at the Velodrome as well in the penalty shootout because they were 2-1 up, to be fair, until the last second Marseille equalized the last second of the game and everybody thought, okay, go straight to Penn, you know, there's no extra time. Uh, and we thought, okay, Marseille are going to win this now considering they came back from nowhere to draw getting to the penalties in their own stadium full of 65,000 fans. And, and Ansi put the aircon like PSG did put the aircon at the weekend. Incredible. Their goalkeeper, Thomas Cayens, is one of the best penalty stoppers in France. He stopped some at the round before, penalties at the round before as well. Now they've won three in a row on penalties. And it's incredible. They're in the semi-final uh, of, of, of the FA Cup, which is, which is a remarkable uh, achievement from them considering they were only last season in the third division not that long ago they went bankrupt it's an incredible story well done to them and for Marseille the hangover from the defeat to PSG at the weekend is even worse now for Igor Tudor who really thought that his team could go and win this cup for the first time since 1989 we know he has anger management issues can you imagine how angry he must be oh my god um, you saw in his face yeah you yeah but, you wouldn't want to see that by the way um on paper, seeing who's left, I would have thought Leon would be favourites, but then I thought, well, not don't have the Europa League. Yeah, and, and not won it last year, yeah. Could they win it again? Toulouse are good. Toulouse are looking good. Uh, yeah, no, but that name is kind of some nominative determinism, you know. Yeah, true, true, maybe. And Lyon are not playing well, so maybe, maybe, maybe Lyon. I mean, certainly this is Lyon's best chance to reach 
to play in, in Europe next season. So let's see if they can do it. According to figures compiled by the Times, Liverpool's wage bill in 2021-2022 was the second highest overall after Manchester United. Gab, are you surprised? I'm not surprised. And these are last season's figures. I'm not surprised by, by, by two factors. Um, the, this includes all the bonuses, obviously, for... Uh, for winning the Champions League, the, the sorry for winning the league the, the yeah, previous yeah. year, um, so obviously those are some one-time payments that that, that kick in. Yeah, um, and also these figures in the Big Six they don't include Chelsea because Chelsea haven't filed their twenty-one twenty-two accounts. And if you remember twenty-one twenty-two accounts, you're talking you know Lukaku yes. and the first Ooh, massive. That's going to be nice. So I think what we see is yes, they're slightly higher than City. Um, to me, the story here is, you know, City 354, Liverpool 366, United 384, Arsenal 206, Spurs 209. Yeah. Um, That's a big gap. We talk about a big six, yeah, but yeah. when we talk about spend and money, it's really a big four, yeah. plus the two stragglers from North London. Now, obviously, as they make more money, they'll spend more money and, and you know, but... I think we need to be mindful of that as well in, in evaluating the jobs that, that these coaches have done. Yeah, definitely. Always, always keep that into account. Yeah. Golo Kante is reportedly in talks over a new deal at Chelsea, Jules. I do yeah. not understand this at all. No, given, I, know, I knew you would. He's, he's 32 in May. Uh, he's played two games this season, yeah. both of them in August. Yeah. What, what, what? I know, I know. I, I'm even told that he's getting near to uh, an Why are they talking now? to him? Do they think he's going to go sign for another club while he's injured? Yeah, I mean, I think they want to keep him. I think Potter wants to keep him. I think he could. He sees that if he's fit, of course, he's a good complement to Enzo in midfield. Uh, and Golo wanted to wants to stay. Wanted to stay. Uh, it seems that he's going to get his wish because, like I said, and I, and I wrote it for the website. It seems that a deal until 2026 is pretty close to be agreeing, or certainly in principle. So. I know you hate them, especially considering how injury-prone and Kante has been in the last two years. But maybe, I don't know, they've got data that says that he's going to be fit. I, I, I don't know. What, what, what are they, like Nostradamus? They got suits saying, saying that, like... I don't know. He's been injured on and off for, like, the last three years. Like, I'm not having a go at him. Phenomenal player. One what of the best it? in the world, right? Yeah. But, you know, the best ability is availability, as they say. Uh, I'm really curious about this, because they talked about how they're not going to give out huge salaries anymore. He's on a big salary. Presumably, maybe he's not going to take him. Maybe he's taking a pay cut to stay. Uh, maybe. Maybe it's a pay-for-play. Maybe, like, I, I don't know. I mean... Like it's great that he wants to stay if he can get back to fitness, but why do you have to have this conversation now? The thing, so the thing that would bug me, and I'm being told it's on the, on the new deal is until 2026. So that that extra three years, because he's out of contract in June 2023, so you ex, you extend him for three years. At his age, that's where I'm like, okay, because you could have given him one year plus plus another one, for example, like it's you did with Silva. It's the Jordan Henderson principle, right? Yeah, may, maybe. As much as I dislike Jordan Henderson and love Angolo Conte, yeah, may, maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. Juventus have formally lodged uh, their appeal against their 50 point penalty. Gab, this was always going to happen. Of course. It was inevitable. It's right that they should do it. And, and it's right that people explain and understand, if they are found guilty again, why it's 15 points. Now, based on the rules of this appeal, uh, as we've told you before, uh, they can either confirm the 15-point penalty or wipe it out. I don't know what they're going to do because courts are funny places. It's filled with lawyers and people I don't understand or like particularly much. But 
uh, Juve are not out of the woods because obviously they're going to face the other ones or, or the false accounting yeah. the bonus, which is a whole separate issue. Then they have the criminal inquiries. Um, but given their run of form, if they get these 15 points back, the second ooh, the table, they could be yeah. back in the Champions League just yeah. like that. Yeah. And then we all have a whole different conversation about Max Allegri's future. Yeah. Let's return to the wonderful world of Père Noël yes! Legret. Yes! He's leaving the French FA Finally. in disgrace, as Finally. we told you. Yeah. Um, harassment, bullying, yeah. all sorts of things. Everything. But it doesn't seem like he's going to be out of work for long. This is extraordinary, Gab, because as we were covering and following his resignation from the French FA, which we, we knew would happen, where I think a lot of people were very happy with because of, as you said, all the controversy from the last few months, then we learned that he has a new job because he's going to be running the uh, Paris office of the FIFA, uh, the, so the FIFA Paris office, that Gianni Infantino, his very good friend, mm-hmm. has his back and has just given him this job where he was already involved before with, um, uh, but more as a kind of a, on the side. Now he's going to be running that office, which I find extraordinary and, why this is happening. And FIFA need an office in Paris because Paris is so far away from, from Zurich, yeah, exactly. you know, which is obviously FIFA's HQ. Yeah. Although I think FIFA was founded in Paris, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, of course it was. Um, is that a reason for, one, having an office there and two, employ Noël Legrette as the head of that office, considering, considering he's 81? Everything that's happened in the last few months, is this really a good idea from FIFA? Well, I don't think so. He's Like you said, for me, the main thing is he's 81 years old. The only I mean, reason on. you get those those jobs, you should have those jobs at 81 years old, yeah. is either because it's some kind of payoff, but I'm assuming he's made enough money, yeah. um, or because you're a wonderful ambassador representative. He's clearly not a wonderful he's ambassador not. representative. He's a disgrace. So I don't... I don't understand this. I think it's a complicated world of politics and balance. And I think, honestly, FIFA should should reconsider this. That's you crazy. know, put him out the pasture it gracefully. Uh, yeah, people should be paying for their mistakes. At least good riddance for French football, uh, because we could not have him anymore. Is he sorry? Is he Paris born and bred? No, no, no. He's from Brittany, and you know, in Bretagne, Guingamp, that side. Like no. Oh, where they have the weird version of Coca- of Coca Cola. Is it Brej Cola? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Got it. <laughs> and crepe, of course. Uh, Live Golf and the PGA Tour are suing each other uh, in court over control of the sport. Gab, we don't usually talk about golf on this show, of course. So why, why am I asking you about this? So the reason uh, this is because this is a strong relevance to football okay, because the owners of Live Golf uh, is the public investment fund of, of Saudi Arabia. Now, what oh, happened here is they who also in, own Newcastle, who also own Newcastle United. So um, they're suing the PGA. They're suing each other because they, they're, they're saying the PGA violates antitrust rules and is a monopolist. PGA sues them back because they don't like them. I don't know the ins and outs, but that's not what's relevant here. But as part of the process, the California court says there's a process called discovery where you have to turn over documents about, about your funding and, and so on. And Live Golf is saying, no, we're not going to do that because our, our owners are, uh, I think they use a term, they're, they're, I don't want to get the term wrong, so I'm not going to say it. But yeah. basically, they put in a statement saying, this is an extraordinary infringement, infringement on the sovereignty of a foreign state that is far from justified here. So wait a minute. So... It's public investment fund, which is a sovereign wealth fund to Saudi yeah. Arabia. Are they a foreign state? And if that's the case, and I'm sorry if I sound like Tucker Carlson here, if that's the case, then how was it that the Premier League found that, you know, they're separate legal entities and have nothing to do with the Saudi state when they were allowed to buy Newcastle? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's a complicated story. I don't think it looks good. I think we need to cut through all the nonsense here and just say sovereign wealth funds, their job is to go and invest money on behalf of the people of a, of a state, right? Yeah. So they are intrinsically and by definition should be considered state actors. Simple as. On top of that, in this case, half the people, you can go on their website um, and you can see who sits on the board and most of the board is is composed of Saudi government ministers. So playing pretend. uh, But it's interesting, though, that they're kind of contradicting themselves. I think it makes the Premier League look really, really bad. Really bad. I agree. Ugly story of Paris Saint-Germain, Jules. Ashraf Hakimi has been accused of rape. Yeah, that's right, Gab. Uh, a girl uh, said that he raped her uh, at his home not that long, like uh, a week ago. Uh, a girl that he met on Instagram, she hasn't pressed charges. He didn't want to press charges, but her accusations are so bad that basically uh, the police opened an investigation, even without the charges, uh, to see exactly what happened. Akimi said that none of that is true. Uh, the club is supporting him. Uh, his lawyer is saying that he denies everything and that he wants to clear his name. So we will have to see where he goes next. He will be available for selection at the weekend against North on Saturday. Uh, and he wants to play. And he's almost fully fit now too. Uh, so, but again, we go back to the same Nasser Khalifi story. Even if he says he did nothing wrong and we will see what the investigation says. But even now, to have this conversation, this quick hit, his name in it over there, uh, you know, that girl, this is just not good. This is just not good. And Hakimi, who was at the best, the FIFA, the best on Monday in Paris, uh, you know, like if nothing had happened, really, and, and maybe, maybe, Maybe this is how he should behave because he said that nothing happened, really, that all of this is wrong. But you should not, your name should not even be embroiled in all of that anyway, in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, and you just hope that there's some clarity and, yeah, and, and, and some justice here, uh, whichever way that comes out. Yeah. You know? Lionel Scaloni has signed a contract extension, keeping him as the Argentina boss through 2026. Gam, I'm really shocked. Are you? Yeah, who would have thought that winning the World Cup yeah, rid of him. and doing it on like, uh, by the way, Scaloni, I think among the big nations anyway, one of the lowest paid uh, national team coaches yeah, at the yeah. World Cup. Um, I'm glad he got his reward. I, you know, yeah. he, I, I think in some ways, I think his impact on this World Cup from a man management perspective mm-hmm. was, I, I think it's been kind of underplayed. You know, he's not a tactical genius, but he found a way to make it work with yeah. a guy, albeit the GOAT of all time or close to it, who walks around the pitch all the time. Yeah, yeah. And yet, you can still play modern football. You find the right pieces about it. He, he, he did trial and error. He wasn't afraid to change things. Yeah. He's done very well. Everybody seems to like it. They all talk about what a great environment the, 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 the national team is. Um, that's down to him. That's what you want. You want players who want to play for your national team. Yeah, As we know, true. living in England, for example, not many years ago, you know, it was pretty obvious that there were people who were like, "Oh, this is such yeah, a, this yeah, is an ordeal, yeah, right. right?" Not you're the right. case with Argentina. Com- completely. Grimsby's win kind of overshadowed this, but Leicester <laughs> City's collapse against Blackburn was also a big FA Cup shock. It was a big shock. It was a big upset, Gab, especially at the King Power Stadium. But they were just not good, and they were not good against Arsenal at the weekend. We highlighted that uh, this was a different level of a position, but Blackburn played really well. 
Uh, they've been a bit up and down at times in the championship and they were without Ben Brighton Jazz, for example, who the best, the best player. And yet find a way of, of beating a Leicester team with many changes, which again, I know they kind of close to the relegation and they have to be careful. I think they're three points from relegation. Yeah. So maybe the rotation from a Brendan Rogers point of view is because of that to rest players, but, but they yeah. also, Leicester also have a big squad too. Yeah, like exactly. Kind of like, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. And now again, there was a good opportunity to go far again. It's a competition that they've won. Two years, years ago, ago, yeah. So, I don't know. Very surprised and it's not good. It's not good at all going into the weekend. Ruth Enrique, the former Spain manager, Spain head coach, of course, is uh, in the news, Gab, for maybe taking over Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid. Is that true? Yeah, this will be after the season. By the way, interesting you say he's a former Spain manager. I would have thought he's the treble-winning Barcelona. Of course. He's, I was a former just Barcelona coach. you say that. Uh, I, I, um, it's... Uh, it's an interesting one. Obviously, having done the national team thing, you could see him coming back. I think it would be from for Atletico Madrid if, if this happened. This is just a rumor. Let's be very clear. Yeah, now, yeah, right? yeah. And I think yeah, Simone's contract is still going on for many years. El Cholo is going to move when El Cholo wants to move, yeah. right? Um, but talk about handbrake turn 180 oh God, degrees extreme in the to opposite extreme. direction. And it's yeah. not just the, the tactical side of things. It's also the... The personality, yeah, right? Really. Luis Enrique with with his twitch, with the, the weird <laughs> stuff he does, and you know, whereas you know, El Cholo is is like a dude. He's a yeah. guy. Yeah. Like you know, he's a man's man. He's a ni- I, I think he's a super nice guy in real life. I've had the opportunity of, of, of having lunch with him uh, and stuff. Um, not saying Luis Enrique is not a nice guy, but like yeah, yeah, one person is salt too. of the earth, the other yeah. one is I'm on a higher plane from yeah, the yeah. rest of the universe. So I don't know. Um, it would be extraordinary. I. I suspect this might be Luis Enrique kind of, or, or his people or somebody wanting to do a deal, reminding the world that, you know, as far as unemployed managers go, after Zinedine Zidane, yeah, he's there's dead. another guy who's he's out available. there yeah. who's already won some big stuff. Exactly. Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, I know you love this one, who scored the most ah, important goal in the history of Paris Saint-Germain, is getting a contract extension at Bayern. You didn't want to have this quick hit in I before, mean, I just Joel. Like, okay, I, I, no, he I, scored the most important goal in the history of in the long fifty-year history of Paris Saint-Germain. I, surely, the fact that he's going to get a contract extension. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy for him. You know, Chupo, very happy for you. I can sing this. I could sing the song, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, that PSG fans had for you. I still hope that Bayern sign a another number nine, right? We agree that they need another number nine, right? Maybe a better number nine than Chupo, who is good, <laughs> but we're not talking Haaland level, Kane level, Ozyman's level, right? They'll bring back Matisse Tell into the lineup. They've got uh, Sadio Mane. Why not? Great from you, Oliver Kahn, Saleh Amidzik, Brazo, who are, to, 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 to reward him with a new deal. Don't forget that you, I mean, you also need another number nine. Nabil Fekir is out of the season at Betis. Got really, really sad. And what does this mean for their top four hopes, of course, but also in the Europa League before facing United? Yeah, obviously blow uh, a massive blow. Oh, there are two points out of top four domestically. He hasn't had, you know, he's had niggles and stuff. I think he's only started 12 yeah. games this season yeah, uh, in, last season was in La Liga. But this is a guy who wins games single-handedly. This is a guy who can turn the game uh, in a second. And I don't even really put a value on that. This is a guy very much in tune with the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, and it's a massive, massive blow. 
Corinne, uh, Corinne Diacre, yeah. um, the French women's national team coach, who few players seem to like, is yeah, no. resigning. Yeah, nobody likes. After some of the French stars said they'd skip the World Cup if she stuck around. Player power, Jules. Very much so, Gabby. I mean, I think this is a great story uh, because she's going to go on March the 9th, the next uh, executi execu executive committee of the federation. She'd be gone because pretty much nobody wants to play for her anymore. And I think it's, it clearly looks like it's either her or, or the players. So you could keep her in charge. I don't know who she would pick then because you wouldn't have the Lyon stars or the PSG stars. So four months or five months before the World Cup, this is not the situation you want to be in. Uh, she's, I think, paying for... She's strong personality but very difficult to work with whether it's her staff and she's got a very limited staff because nobody wants to work with it with her at staff level uh, and also with the players where she's been in charge for six years now and it's, it's never really been okay between her and especially the, the big leaders in that dressing room so player power I think there's a lot of people who don't believe that he exists in football I think this is a clear example that he does exist and if she does get sacked on March the 9th, which we all expect to be the case, then you will see that the players won. So what I think is really interesting here, just in the context of, of the women's game, um, obviously she's been the French coach for, for, for many years. Six she's years, been yeah. here a long time, which for international management is yeah, an eternity, time, right? Yeah. Um, we can imagine this happening in the men's game. You know, where Lionel Messi says, oh, I don't like this weirdo San Paoli. Get rid of him. Yeah, right? yeah. And boom, he's gone. But in the women's game, because they make a lot less money, because they don't have the fame, they don't have the, the clout, or they didn't have it until maybe 10 years ago, um, this, this, to me, this is very much a new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I see what you mean. You know, and in some ways, they're, they're becoming more like the men's game, where, you know, in the past, I could imagine a bunch of old fogies at the French FA... Starting with Père Noël Legret, yeah, saying, Noël. "All right, you guys, you know, just put up with it. Just be be lucky that you even have a French national team, right?" I yeah. can imagine him saying, "Wendy, Wendy, like zoot, you know, shut up. Uh, just be happy and put up with Corinne. Be happy that you can play for the national team. Be happy that you can sit in the back of the plane and go fly around Europe playing games. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, you little girls running around, right? I think that would have been in the attitude, but today." They have clout. They have respect. Yeah. Maybe we could debate whether it's enough respect, whatever. That's a whole other and enough pay. Well, that's a whole other argument. But now, you know, they can make their voice heard, and it's only in that sense that gives you a, a sense of how far we've come. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you completely. And, 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 I, and I admire the courage. I have to say, because Ronald didn't. I mean, they made it public on their social media to announce it, or they spoke to journalists. Uh, and I, I think that takes that takes courage to say, you know what? I love the national team. I'm the captain of the national team. But right now, I don't want to play for this team anymore. Uh, any truth to the rumor that she's going to go and join Noel Legret in the, uh, the, Paris of the Paris office <laughs> of FIFA? <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. I mean, Noel Legret was really the only one that was supporting her. So now that he's gone, <laughs> that's why she knows she's going as well. Tottenham scout, Jeff Veteri, sorry if I... Veteri, uh, I think. Veteri, formerly of Newcastle and Real Madrid as well, has been let go after going on Colombian TV and discussing transfer targets, especially one goalkeeper. Gab, is this another reaction? It's not another reaction. It's an excuse. I think they wanted to get rid of this yeah. guy before because... Things like that, certainly. The dude's a scout. He goes on television. He says, oh, I'm looking at this guy. I'm looking at that guy. It's some Colombian goalkeeper nobody's ever heard of. Like, who cares? Like, you wouldn't even have known that this happened because it happened in Colombia. Okay, you don't see many scouts on television either, though, right? No, it, I, that's certainly not 
not in England. You see them elsewhere. It's discussing things in general. They, they speak to the media. You know, like, I, I don't think, put it this way. If they wanted to keep them, they would have gone like, no, no, I didn't hear this. Because this doesn't, this doesn't affect them in any way, shape, or form. Right? He's not going there and talking about, yeah. uh, you know, we're going to go and we're, we're going to sign Saeed Ben Rama to replace, I'm scouting Saeed Ben Rama to replace Hongman Son. Like, it's not what he's saying. No, no, right? no, no, no. Yeah, I see what and you mean. So, it's not the biggest secret in the world. I think it's pretty clear they didn't want to keep him around. Yeah. And this gave them the, the reason to let him go. Yeah. Our former ESPN colleague... Jurgen Klinsmann, who might be famous for some other things yes, other than of being course, a former ESPN of colleague. Um, he's taking over the South Korea job. Jules, your thoughts? Yeah, I have to say I was a bit surprised. I knew that they were looking for a big name uh, to try to build on you know, what they did at the World Cup. Klinsmann has 10 letters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. And he's a big name as well. We see the player that he was. As a manager, you can have your... Doubts or interrogations, if you want. I think that's fair. Uh, is he the right guy for the job? I have to say I'm a bit sceptical. Uh, good luck, Jorgen, of course. Good luck to you. I don't know. I'm, I'm, this one really, like, makes me curious. We, why? Like, we why wish him luck. Him? Love, yeah. I, like, I, I think it's a curious one. It's a curious one. You know, one of the big things, of course, before when he had the U.S. job was about, you know, where he was based and travel and stuff like that. You know, there's obviously a lot of Korean players in Europe, but there's also yeah. a lot of Korean players throughout Asia. Like, is he going to go and, and travel everywhere? And like, who's do, does he want to do that at his age? How motivated is he? Um, it's curious. I like the fact that he's going and challenging himself. I don't think he needs the money to go. I don't I think don't that's think why so he's doing either. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so good luck, Jurgen. Gab, I know you don't like this, but many do. Uh, shall we dissect the uh, fifth pro world eleven for the yeah. for the year? So this is part of the best. Uh, and this is, but this is run by FIFA, which is the International Players Union. Yes. Um, and they're really, okay, FIFA, they're, they're really nice guys, and I'm not making fun of you. And I realize why you do this, because this attracts a lot of attention. Yes. Essentially, they poll their members. I don't know what kind of horror show, and what you realize is that a lot of footballers, they don't really care about this. They don't no. play that close attention. They don't watch it's the football. same thing yeah. with the PFA Awards here in England. Yes. Um, I'm just going to point out the formation, which is a 3-3-4 yeah. formation, which I think is just awesome. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm even surprised as a goalkeeper, as a goalkeeper. Um, by the way, in the women's for in the women's game, I think it's even worse. Yeah. I don't even know what I didn't look at women's eleven. I don't know enough about it. But if you follow women's football, I'm assuming I'm going to assume that's even worse. And yeah, like yeah. they probably like put like Mia Hamm and Nevin <laughs> Rapino in there. But anyway, um, so goalkeeper Courtois, eh, that's fine. Yeah, I can live with that, fine. right? Certainly, yeah, okay. <laughs> the back three is Cancelo, Van Dyke, and Hakimi. Can you imagine how quickly Van Dyke would age if that was his back three? Where are you guys? Hey, where is everybody going? Okay. The midfield, weirdly, is the most sensible part because you've got Casemiro holding. Yeah, actually, like, the only structure of that team, yeah. Uh, you've got Luka Modric, fine. And you've got Kevin De Bruyne. I'm not going to argue with that. Up front, I would pay to see this. Yeah, <laughs> um, freestyle bit. Yeah, you've got Lionel Messi. Yeah. And Kylian Mbappe out wide. Yeah. Kareem Benzema and yeah. Erling Haaland through the middle. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is a very special front four, of course, with one football. Yeah, for the four of them. <laughs> uh, right, but there's just nobody here you would say, okay, this guy's not really world-class 11. You could debate whether in the past 12 months there would have been better options. I know, but there, yeah, yeah, of there's course. Bad so pe- people are saying, like, oh, why is Thiago Silvano in there? Yeah, okay. I can, but, but because Sorry, there's no structure to it, there's no point even arguing who should be in there because nobody plays a 3-3-4 formation, certainly not with those kind of players. So, Yeah, look, I, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, right? Either you have the decency to call this 4-4-2 and get Messi and Mbappe to go back, or just go 4-3-3. Especially, you're, you're professional footballers. You understand there's different yeah, Just tell them, listen, yeah. this is the formation. You all have to fill the gap because that's how yeah. it comes into and you just... If, just like you can have the a gap. maximum of three forwards, I know a exactly. maximum of two central defenders, a maximum. You know, it's you, a simple answer. Exactly, you pick. And if he was not on eighteen month either, you know, it'd probably be easier to make your choice. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's you know. the whole eighteen month yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, next year Victor Seaman, right? Yeah, of Benzema's course. going to ride off on the show. Okay, we're clear on that. Jules Fontaine, the man who scored more goals than anyone in a single World Cup, 13 in 1958, still the record, yeah. has passed away age 89. Jules? Yeah, really sad news, Gab, of course, a legend of, of French football. I think a legend in a way. I know he's not as big a name as the others, but in football for this record, really, that... I stood for such a long time and might never be beaten unless we get to a bigger format of the World Cup where you play more games maybe one day. But certainly on a seven-match maximum format like it is now, it'd be very hard for anybody to score as many than Juste Fontaine, 13 or even more. He was an unbelievable striker who got his career short, short at 28 because of a, of a really bad leg injury. Uh, but a phenomenal striker before that with Nice, with Reims, uh, even in Morocco where he was born before coming to France. Incredible, really nice guy, the nicest guy, always with stories. He uh, was one of the first, one of, yeah, one of the, the first PSG managers as well. So very special person uh, in France and I think he would be, he, he had a great life, but he would be sorely, sorely missed. Yeah, I think uh, French dad, Spanish mom, yeah, if that's I'm not right. mistaken, yeah, yeah, as you exactly. said, born in Morocco. Um, Incredible story. Yeah, different era. Yeah, exactly. Marcelo is going home, Gab, after terminating his contract with Olympiacos. His return to weight all started at Fluminense. He's 34 years old. I bet you're very happy for him. I'm super happy uh, no, for him. He's like one of the most decorated players in the history of the universe. He's always smiling, always happy. He's so much fun to watch yeah. when he's attacking. I thought he was older, actually. But, of course, I remember <laughs> that he was only 18 years old when he came over, signed by my buddy Franco Baldini at Real Madrid. By the way, you know who they signed in three in one go? That oh, yeah. You've said that before. Worked out pretty well, huh? Higuain? Marcelo, no? Higuain, yeah. and Gago, who could yeah. have been the best yeah, of three. Yeah, but, yeah. of course, didn't work out that way. Good luck to him back in Rio at the flu. Uh, Jules, that brings us to an end. Yeah. Oh, we got to come back on Monday. There's so many big games. What are we going to do? Incredible. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. <laughs> 